RadioInfluence.com. Welcome back to Live Bold and Boss Up. This week, it's officially our one-year anniversary. Happy anniversary to us. And what better way to share this anniversary with you guys than to have a champagne and caviar aficionado, Gina Lyons, here with us today. We had an amazing conversation with her. She actually has wine certifications Um up and down. I can't even explain to you all these different certifications. She has Richard Julian Champagne Masterclass, UC Davis Wine Tasting Sensory Techniques for Wine Analysis, the Wine Scholars Guide Champagne Masterclass, all of these things. She's the CEO of Avine Affair. She puts on fabulous events. She's been featured in the Huffington Post, the Booze Press, the Champagne Club. She has really made a huge mark in the champagne industry. She's so knowledgeable. She's lived in Asia and Europe for over a decade. So she's got the experience of actually going to some of these wine houses and really understanding where the families come from and where the history is. So we're really excited to bring to you our Gina Lyons and celebrate with you our one year anniversary. Here it is. Gina, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks, ladies. This is awesome. I am so excited to be on here. If you are watching us on video today, we have a little setup because today is a special day. It's a little more fancy than normal. We have, (laughs) um, for our listeners who are not watching us, we have a gold tablecloth, some cheese and crackers set up. Nice setup. Um, So we're getting a little fancy today and you'll find out why. So um, let's jump right into it. And Gina Lyons, she's from Avine Affair. She's the creator. And uh, tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are today. Yes. Um, Well, thank you. Uh, Gosh, where do I start? So I, I've been in fashion for basically my entire adult life, um, mainly in corporate at the latter side of uh, my career. Uh, I worked for Michael Kors uh, proudly. I loved, I loved that brand. Um, and I worked for them actually in Europe. So I was a head of their a customer experience department. So I would basically teach teams how to sell luxury goods and how to clientele and kind of make sure that we were making money in, in the stores. Uh, so I did that for several years before I kind of came to a crossroads. Um, with my role, I was based out of London, but I wasn't living in London. I was living in Ireland at the time and they kind of wanted all the corporate roles to be based in London. So um, I had kind of a sit down with my husband and I was like, I don't really want to move to London. I've I've been in big cities. I lived in Tokyo and Singapore before that. And I didn't want to move back to the big cities. I just felt claustrophobic in London, even though it's a great city. So it was kind of the time he was really busy. He was traveling and he's like, well, why don't you just kind of help me? And we're moving to Florida in about eight months or so. So maybe we just find you a job when you get there. And I was like, okay, perfect. So I was sad to leave, but it was an opportunity to be able to kind of do something else. So while I was in the corporate world, I was blogging about wine. So I was learning, um, self-studying, and then starting kind of this journey of wine education 
on my own on an Instagram account called Champagne Squad. And I was kind of just sharing my love for wine. Uh, It was kind of a recent passion while I was traveling Europe. I really loved food and wine that I was I was um, enjoying at the time. So I just wanted to learn a little bit more about it. So I was blogging about it. And after my corporate job, as soon as I left, I um, kind of threw myself into it. I was helping my husband a little bit with what he was doing, but I had a lot of like spare time. And I decided just start working on this Instagram, learning Instagram and learning how to kind of communicate on it, how to take photos, like make them look pretty. Um, and then also do some courses and wine. So I was kind of just self-developing around the whole wine blogging world. Um, and so during that time, because I got to spend so much time doing it, um, my account grew quite quickly. Um, And I realized that this was kind of something that people were drawn to. They wanted to learn about wine in an approachable and fun way. It didn't need to be like this really crazy concept. The wine world can be quite intimidating. So um, I kind of just wanted to continue to bring that concept to people. So that was, gosh, 2019. I did that. Um, and just continued to go full force into the Instagram. I then was approached by a friend of mine who had a local business at the time and said, Hey, could you help us with our Instagram account? Cause you seem to have grown a lot. And I was like, all right, sure. So I helped them with their account and then they referred me to somebody else and to somebody else and to somebody else. So then I realized I was actually doing Instagram full time, like for other accounts, including my own. Um, and it was pretty cool. It's a, it's a, it's a complicated world, uh, to, to be going on Instagram, to grow on Instagram. It takes a lot of creativity, a lot of thought, um, a lot of patience, uh, but I did enjoy it. Um, during that time, I continued to, um, further my education in wine. We moved here in the end of February, 2020. So right before everything, the whole world closed down, which was crazy. Thank God we made it to Florida. Yeah. I was going to say good time. <laughs> like it was a good time. Thank God. I know. Thank God we made it to Florida because we were in the UK and they just didn't have a very good 2020 for sure. Um, so we made it here and that's kind of when, um, the UK really went into shutdown and my clients were not, their businesses were not open. Uh, so they didn't really find the need to have Instagram. It was kind of like their first thing that went was their social media. So I kind of was like temporarily let go from my clients until they kind of found their ground again in the UK. And so I was like, okay, now what am I going to do? And so nothing was open at the time. So it's not like I could have even looked for a job. So I just decided to, I was like, okay, what's going on in the world right now? People are home. They want to learn. People are picking up new kind of hobbies and things like that. And I was like, why don't I start bringing the world of champagne virtually to my followers? So on a weekly basis, I started an IG live called um, United in Bubbly is what I did. United in Bubbly. (laughs) And I brought like I just kind of pitched it to a bunch of champagne houses and then other sparkling wines as well. And just kind of said, like, would you like to come on? We'll drink one of your bottles, like one of your cuvées together. And, you know, I can encourage people to buy it um, and we can just talk about it and people can drink along. And that's exactly what happened. Um, You know, people were actually buying the bottles that we told them to buy and they would show up on the Saturday and they would be able to connect with us on IG Live and talk to the producers themselves um, and, and really just kind of find a connection through, you know, the 
the virtual world, so to say. Um, so I, I was one of kind of the first wine bloggers that did that. Um, and I was featured on the Huff Post because of it, um, which I'm really, um, ex- I was really excited about. Um, I think that was like my first time being featured anywhere. So I was like, whoa. Awesome. Um, and so I then kind of, I started doing that. That was my weekly um, IG Live, my virtual tasting. Then I partnered with a really good friend of mine here locally who um, is an expert in Spanish wines. And I said, hey, what if we did like this wine and food pairing? Because people are like cooking from home now. And what if we do it and support local businesses or support small food businesses to get their names out there because they were offering kind of online stuff. So she was like, yeah, I'd love to be a part of it. So we were doing that together every week as well. So we were featuring a sparkling wine and then featuring kind of like a food product that was online or some small business um, as much as we could in Florida, but anywhere else that was able to deliver. So people would then buy the food package and they would buy the wine package and then they would join us on IG live and we would cook together or we would drink together. And it was, that was so much fun as well. That's so innovative that you thought of that. Well, I think, you know, at the time, uh, restaurants were really hurting. Food was really hurting um, concepts. So there were restaurants that were never online that just started to be online. And there were food products that were only in stores that were never online. So I saw the world of wine and food kind of fall apart during 2020. And like, I felt the need to want to help in any way, shape or form. So we kind of just put ourselves out there and started contacting food businesses and said, Hey, would you like to be featured? We would just pick out the food like cheese and meats that would um, pair really well with sparkling wine and, and, and feature them. Yeah. So, and I'm sure every company or every business at that time was like, yeah, like whatever we can do to bring in business right now. Yeah, absolutely. They were really excited about it. Um, and to get their names out there on, you know, our tasting, but also we would post about it on our social media and kind of gain exposure. And so it was great partnerships and we didn't really know what we were doing and we didn't realize that it would lead us to what I'm doing today because that's exactly what I do now um, in my company. So we did that just for fun. And then we thought, we thought to ourselves, well, 2020 is still hanging on there. People are still like at home. So why don't we, while we can start a business that does this, because I feel like people are buying the food, they're buying the wine. Maybe if they pay like a small fee and it can be like more of a private tasting, then we all win. And, you know, because we put a lot of work into the virtual lives, even if it was like, you know, every single week we were, you know, researching the producer, we were researching the food company and we'd have to speak to it. So it was a lot of work being put into plus the format of the live and and things like that. So we thought, oh, maybe we can make like a small business out of it. So we decided to uh, do that. Exactly that. I um, was, I can't remember how I came up with a vine affair, but I was like sitting down trying to think of like really clever names. And I don't know if like a fine affair like came into me to my head. And then I thought, Oh, a vine affair. Let's do a vine affair. That makes sense. Right? So, yeah. So we were thinking, and it ironically was not taken on Instagram. It was not taken on, on, um, the web. So we're like, let's get it. Let's book it. Let's buy everything. <laughs> like immediately. I was like, I'm getting the name right now. Um, because it, we thought, we thought it was like quite clever for what it was. And we were so surprised that it wasn't already taken. So, um, a vine affair was born. 
we had our first uh, virtual tasting, which was uh, with a, a champagne house and a caviar house. And that was our first one, um, which was really scary. I mean, even, you know, to get people to buy champagne and caviar and have this experience, it can be quite expensive. But I think people were like willing to pay for luxury things because they were at home, right. you know, they weren't spending their money on travel and out to eat for restaurants. So they really were all about it and they loved it. And so from there, that's kind of where we took off and we were offering wine and food experiences um, all throughout the, the, like all throughout the U.S. Um, we were also offering it local he here in Tampa, um, still virtually. So we would deliver the wine and the food um, to you personally um, in our cars. Uh, <laughs> and then um, we'd all sit and, you know, that, that evening virtually and get everyone together. Um, so, I mean, I think, after we started it, there was a long-term goal of always doing in-person events. Um, and so eventually it led to that. Um, and then in 2021, my business partner had to step down because she was changing jobs and she had, she's not able to have an, a job outside her other job, uh, which was really sad for us, but she's my bestie. So it's fine. Um, it worked out in the end. So in 2021, I decided, okay, so what worked well from 2020 and what didn't work so well from 2020 and what do I actually, what actually made me happy from what we did? Because we kind of exhausted ourselves, to be honest, with the virtual tastings. Uh, driving around and dropping off all of that. I know. <laughs> exactly. And I think, you know, I think people feel it now. They're exhausted to be on Zoom like all day, every day. And so towards the end of 2020, we saw a decline in the need for virtual tastings in some areas of our business. So, and because I was already exhausted with that, it's, you know, we, I thought, okay, so what's going to continue long-term for me now that I'm on my own? Like, what can I physically do? Um, and because I've, I've spent so much time studying champagne and also caviar now, um, I thought, you know what, I'm just going to be like giving champagne and caviar experiences. And I'm going to take that concept and I'm just going to kind of offer it in every way, shape or form somebody would want it. So if it's a sit down date night caviar with your husband or your wife um, in person and it's a really special like anniversary, I'll offer that. If it's, you know, um, a champagne tasting as a group, like what you guys did, um, that's cool. That's, you know, that's probably my main bread and butter, like larger groups, corporate groups. Um, and then also gifting like gift boxes and things like that. So I thought like, how can I expand the world of champagne and caviar to everyone? And so 2020 was like all about getting rid of the things that I didn't really enjoy. And I realized like, I'm not really passionate about red wines from Napa. So like, I don't really want to talk about them to be honest with you, but I am really passionate about champagne. I'm passionate about cheese and caviar. So that's what I'm going to offer. And I know it's super niche, but let's give it a try. I love that. And actually backstory, that's how we met Eugenia. Yeah. Is, um, <laughs> we hosted an event through Next Path. It was a women's event. Um, at one of the local um, places here. And it was great. Like, I was like, wow, like this girl knows her stuff, knows her champagne. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and uh, we had to have you on the podcast after that. But um, I want you to share kind of going into um, the champagne piece of it, because I didn't know that champagne was so complex. Yeah. Like, usually I have mm -hmm. champagne at brunch with my OJ. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I like tell our listeners and tell us like, 
the different types of champagne sure. or like whatever. I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. I'll give you like a little brief champagne 101, Perfect. <laughs> like a crash course. Uh, so champagne uh, is sparkling wine from Champagne, France. So it's only from this small little region in the North of France. Every other sparkling wine, even in France, outside of this region is not champagne. So it's just sparkling wine. So I think that's like the biggest thing for everyone to know is when you're talking about champagne, it comes with a high price point because it's from only one small area in France. Um, and so there's not a lot of it compared to the amount of sparkling wine that you have around the world. Uh, so it comes from this region very far north in France. It's a very cold and um, the weather is very disruptive a lot of the time. It's very hard for the growers to grow grapes. So that also plays into the higher price point for champagne as well. Um, Champagne is is broken up into some subregions. The great thing about it is the soils of champagne are all different throughout the subregions. So they have specialty, like the so, the soils will um, will help nurture certain grapes. So they have three main grapes in champagne: we Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, and Pinot Meunier. And that's really all you'll find in your champagnes. So you'll find either a combination of all three, or you'll have a combination of one of each. So, you know, the different styles of champagne you'll find, or, you know, you'll have a, a brute, you know, non-vintage. If it doesn't say anything special on here, normally it's some sort of combination of the grapes. If it says Blanc de Blanc, then it's 100% Chardonnay. If it says Blanc de Noir, it's 100% Pinot Noir or Pinot Meunier. And because of that is Chardonnay's grape is a white grape. Blanc de Blanc means white of whites. And Blanc de Noir means white of blacks. And those are black grapes. So Pinot Noir and Pinot Meunier. So those are the three grapes that go into it. Then you have different styles based on um, the dosage or the sugar levels in your wine, the sweetness levels in your wine. So Brut would be your standard dry champagne. And the great thing about it is it's normally marked on the label. So if you love dry styled wine or a sparkling wine, go for the Brut because it's always going to be dry in style. You're never going to have like that sense of sweetness in there. Um, and then you'll go up a few levels. Um, I would say in other sparkling wines, it's quite often you can find dry. And although that says dry, it sounds dry. It's not as dry as Brut. So there'll be like some sort of level of sweetness in that. So a lot of Proseccos would be the dry style. So do they add in sugar then? If it's, yeah. la is it, if it's not labeled brew, then they probably add sugar into it to make it a little bit sweeter. Sure. So basically the way that champagne is made, it all like 99% of the time has added sugar. So what happens is champagne goes through the normal fermentation. Every single wine goes through, but in order to get the bubbles, it goes through a second fermentation inside the bottle. And with that second fermentation, after that happens, um, sugar is added and the, the sugar is added for balance um, because champagne and sparkling wines are usually really acidic. So if you don't add some sort of level of sweetness, there's a lot of acid and it'll be quite austere when you try it. Um, and unapproachable. So for champagne, in order to it to soften a bit, um, they'll add a level of sugar, um, even with the Brute. So the only one that doesn't get added sugar is Brut Natur, which is zero grams of added sugar. Um, I believe we had a Brut Natur. The, the Prosecco that we had together was a Brut Natur. So it had no added sugar. That was really good. It was really good. I love that style. And the world of sparkling wine is trending towards the drier style. So it's very rare to find a Prosecco that is 
a Brut Nature. It like is unheard of. That was the first time I even tried a Prosecco that was Brut Nature. So I think the trends of sparkling wine is going towards the drier, drier. And I think it, it's a lot about, a lot to do about our palates, but also about health and things like that. So yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Is it, is it a health thing? Because like, yeah. okay, less sugar, right? Like, yeah. I'm trying to be health conscious and Exactly. Yeah. I always call Brut Natura skinny champagne. So, you know, if you're on a diet, that's mm-hmm. the one you should be drinking. And I learned this at our last um, mm-hmm. event, but there's a difference between Prosecco and champagne. So mm-hmm. no, not to be confused. There's a difference there. Absolutely. So they're two different, they're coming from two different countries, two different regions. Um, first of all, so that's the first they also use different grapes. So Prosecco uses the Galera grape, a completely different grape. And then they're made completely differently in the sense that Prosecco is made. The second fermentation of Prosecco is not in a bottle. It's in a large tank. And the reason why it's in a large tank is to celebrate this like really fresh and fruitiness of that style of grape. So it works best like that. Whereas champagne has these three grapes that can really be enhanced through the bottle aging and it's meant to have yeah okay it can be fresh and fruity but it also has a lot of complexity about it champagne is known to have like those bready notes in it as well and and you know even nutty notes from aging and things like that so um it's a whole different animal did you know that before nope nope i was just thinking like wait a minute so then is prosecco completely different from other sparkling wines mm-hmm. yes yeah, yeah. I, I need it. I need a course. I know. I mean, sparkling wines, you can find sparkling wines from all over the world. So from Australia to the U S to Italy, to Germany, they're all, they're all different and they all can be made differently. Um, I don't think that any of them quality wise overall is going to be the same as champagne. Um, but there's some really great sparkling wines from around the world. Should we try this one? Yeah, let's. Try yeah, you want to try it? Yeah. Do you want me to teach you how to open the bottle? Yes. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> Every time I do this, though, just be aware that I usually get an explosion. Every okay. time I want to show somebody <laughs> anything right. and look like a pro. Uh, um. So okay. So when you're opening a sparkling wine bottle, a couple things to note is you want to, the whole idea is not to make it pop, right? You want to make it hiss, okay? And the reason why you want to do that is there's like millions of bubbles in here and you don't want any of them to escape, right? Because that's what champagne's all about. Wait, so you don't want the cork to pop? You don't want the cork, because if you let the cork pop, then it's going to let a lot of air out, you know? Mm -hmm. And so what you want to do is just let it slightly hiss, so that way you've got all the bubbles still in here. Okay. Mm-hmm. Me neither. Yeah, I know. So nobody really wants the cork. Like you really don't want the cork to pop, but like. It's more fun to do that. But it's more fun and it's even more fun to savor, but we won't do that because we're in a room today. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So one thing to know, you want it to hiss. The second thing to know is you want it to always face away from you because it's super dangerous. Um, people always get hit with champagne corks more more often than you think. And it's just not fun. So <laughs> <laughs> So the way that you want to open this um, the right way is you want to make sure that you always have your thumb firmly on the top. This is called the mousselet, by the way. Um, And this holds the cork in, um, even though the cork should be pretty secure inside there for since it's been there for a while. So you just want to untwist um, the mousselet. And then what you want to do is obviously aim the bottle away from you and just put your kind of hand securely on here. And while I am 
twisting the bottom of the bottle and not the cork. Um, I'm holding very firmly on the top. So there's pressure going down while I'm twisting. So I noticed that you did not take the mousselet off, which I normally do. I'll unscrew that, which I just thought was the metal piece. I didn't know it had a name. Yeah, And then I would take it off and then yeah. I, I, right. Exactly. Pop exactly. Right. Everything nuts. Well, I think, you know, the mousselet is on there to protect the cork from popping. So, you know, sometimes if you open up a mousselet and there's a lot, say this bottle has been, you know, roughed around a bit, the cork will pop right off. If you take the mousselet off, it'll just fly off. And it's happened to me before. So the best thing is to keep the mousselet on and you've got a better grip of this bottle. Right. Like this one really wants to come out. So give me just a second. And yeah. oh. it always scares me when and it can out. hiss even better than that, by the way, that wasn't even good. <laughs> but it wasn't like a loud pop or anything. I think that was really good. No, you can really like some people are really good at it and they just, it'll be like, you know, like just a small hiss, but Hey, we didn't let, we didn't let any bubbles escape. So it's all good. good. So what type of champagne did you bring? Okay. So I got, I brought you guys like a really special champagne today. Okay. So I'm really, really happy to bring you this. Um, as it says on the bottle, special club. So this is one of, these are, these are kind of like my favorite, um, styles of champagne. And the reason why is they are, they're the prestige cuvee. So they're like, okay, prestige cuvee in champagne is like the top cuvees you can find. They're the most expensive that you can find in champagne. So uh, for example, Dom Perignon Cristal, right? These are, these are prestige cuvees, tete cuvees. The special club is the Tete Cuvée or Prestige Cuvée of growers, okay? And the reason why we say grower champagne versus main houses of champagne is because 90% of the champagne that you find in the stores will be purchased grapes from big houses that purchase their grapes from small growers, so small families. So they, they sell their grapes to these big houses and they make in the big houses like kind of make massive blends of their you know their wines made from the small growers grapes so the tete cuvee special clubs are from just those growers so it's from their individual plots or their vineyards um and it's the best wine that this little family can make Aww, yeah so, so did you talk to the family before you came today? They actually didn't tell them I was opening it. And I think also um, the importer, I, I did, Christine, I didn't tell you I was opening this either. Um, <laughs> I will let them know. They'll know. I'm going to take a couple of pictures so they know. But um, the family is based in Ludes. They're a lovely, hey, lovely family. You're, you're in Ludes? Yeah. Oh, no. I, I know, you know. Wait, wait. No, no, oh. no. <laughs> Not this Ludes. <laughs> you didn't know they make champagne in Ludes? You didn't know? Like, Where are those grapes? <laughs> I wish they were this close. I wish. No, the, unfortunately, this family is based in Lude Champagne. Oh, um, Lude Champagne. Like, well, yeah. They have like a plot of land and over there in France and, and live here. I know. I, well, I don't know. Maybe Terry, maybe you ha- you live in Florida and I don't even know it. Um, we're not even drinking yet. And we're I know. Silly who, who knows? I mean, they could, I'm sure they've vacationed in Florida though at some point. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is, uh, they're, they're based in Ludes, um, which is a village of Champagne that uh, specializes in Pinot Meunier, the grape. So 70% of their plots are Pinot Meunier. Um, they've been in the special club because the special club overall is an organization of growers, about 20 plus growers um, who have decided to 
come together and market their Tete Cuvées. So they've been a part of the special club since 1973. They have been around since 1888. Wow. So um, they've been growing grapes since 1888. Um, and they so know they know a thing or two. I think that's what's great about these growers is they know their vines like so well. And, you know, when you go and you go to Champagne, you visit a, a maison, like a big house, you're probably going to take a tour with you know, a rep there or, you know, someone that does the tours. Right. And that's what they do. And they bring you through like this big magical place and you're never going to meet the person that's in the vines. You're never going to meet the family that owns that house. But if you go visit for gay Chamon, first of all, let me know. Second of all, (laughs) you're going to go meet the family. Like you're and all they do, like they, they tend to their vines. They work the wines in their cellars and you're probably going to visit their house and you're going to probably taste their wines in their living room. So it's, it's very special and very family sort of thing, um, which is really cool. So they, they work as organically as possible. So we've got some really, really great, great vine growing. This is a vintage champagne. So this is 2015 vintage which is uh, unusual, uh, you know, when you're buying champagne at the store, most of it is non-vintage, so right. mix of vintages. You mentioned at the wine mm-hmm. tasting, if you get a bottle of champagne or sparkling wine, like drink yeah. it right away, don't hold on to it. Yeah. Why is this vintage? Like, how, do, how does that work? Sure. So, uh, yeah, if you get a non-vintage champagne, you don't have to hold on to it. It's not really meant to, to be held on to. But if you get a vintage champagne, these are the champagnes that you can let age. It's There's a big thing behind like, okay, well, the year, the location, the quality of the wine, as far as holding on to it. But 2015 vintage was a dry and warm vintage. So it allowed the grapes to really ripen well. So for this vintage, there is a lot, there are a lot of vintage champagnes you'll find of 2015. So, you know, if you go shopping for that vintage, there's quite a, quite a bit. Um, but they, some of them did really struggle with white ripeness um, or acidity sorry, not ripeness, acidity. So um, some of them may not be worth keeping so long, but Meunier did really, really well in 2015. And 50% of this cuvee is Meunier. So I think that this one, the way we're going to drink it today is going to be quite young and excitable. This is their newest release uh, for their special club. Yet I think it's going to have the potential to age quite a bit. So I think next year it's going to be better and the next year it'll be better. So as these quality wines age, they just get better with time. So, okay, maybe I should correct myself. I think while you were talking, I remembered you mentioned not to let the... um, Prosecco. Thank you. The Prosecco mm-hmm. age, like that doesn't. Oh age. my gosh. Yeah. Don't let okay, Prosecco age. Get you that. Talking about. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you should be drinking like 2020 Prosecco. I think we drank 2020 Prosecco together. Um, so yeah, don't let Prosecco age. It's like never a good thing. Although I'm sure people on here, if they're Prosecco experts might, might say something else, but yeah, Prosecco is not worth aging. Non-vintage champagne, you can keep it for maybe up to five years, but I would just drink it right away. It's made to, to just be drunk right away. On, on most terms. Um, you always make every bottle of champagne seem so spe- so special oh. that it's like, I don't think I would ever open it if I was 
Like if you didn't open it, I would probably not want to because it's so special. It is. Well, this one is so special. Um, you know what? They all champagne is special, right? And I think there's a moment to open champagne. If if we learned anything from 2020, every day is a champagne day. Like really, you need it every single day in your life. Um, and I know that it can be an expensive habit. Like you can ask my husband for sure. Um, but there's just something, I think there is something magical about champagne and it, for me, it enhances every moment and enhances every dish. So whether you're bringing it out for, you know, with burgers or, you know, you're bringing it out for someone's birthday or just for a Friday evening, it will make everything better. You know, it makes every, like elevates everything. Yes. That's a, that's a good word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So shall we, shall we try it? Oh my gosh. So we'll see if the the temperature is okay. It might be a little bit warm, but we'll I think we'll it'll still taste good. And we don't have fancy champagne glasses. No, no but you don't need it. It's great champagne. So <laughs> I'm noticing the way you're pouring it too. You have your thumb in the bottom of the, uh, yeah. the um, bottle, and then your fingers underneath it. Oh, sorry. Is there like a reason for that? Just like trying to not touch the the bottle to make it warm? Um, yeah, you know, it's just really easy. <laughs> um, cause if you put your thumb here, you have like a really good grip. Mm-hmm. And then when you're pouring it, like technically I should probably be showing you the label when I do that mm-hmm. and I'm pouring it this way, it's easier to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I pour, I always, you know, angle the glass as much as I can. You know, if somebody's giving me their glass, not angled, it's fine, but you know, it's like kind of, I know this sounds like really crazy, but you know, when you're pouring other beverages like beers and stuff, right. you yeah. always want to, exactly. exactly. So you kind of want to do the same. Mm-hmm. Cheers. Nice. So cheers, cheers, ladies. Thanks for Thank having me. You. Can't wait to try it. Mm. That is really good. Okay. What do we taste? Mm. What do you, yeah. What do you taste? <laughs> what do you smell? What do you taste? I smell... Do you smell strawberries? I was going to say pear. Maybe. Mm. I don't know. Strawberries? (laughs) Maybe because I eat a lot of strawberries. (laughs) I feel like pear and I even taste pear. Yeah. Yep. I get a lot of pear off of this one. Like, like green fruits, like green apples and pear. Um, it's funny when you say that, then I can taste it, mm, you know, that's what you did with me and the strawberries. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think you could get, you could get strawberries too. I mean, you've got, you've got a black grape and a, and a white grape in here. So they're both going to have different characteristics. I get a little bit of citrus, but yeah, mainly green fruits on this. Um, and then you get a little bit of that bread or biscuit note or cookie note on there. Oh. Um, and then I also get like an almond on it. I can taste the almond. Mm-hmm. Well, now, why why do those types of flavors come yeah. to life? So it's all about um, really the second fermentation in the bottle. So when, um, when uh, champagne goes through the second fermentation, they add this thing called yeast. Yeast is like these live cells. And yeast's favorite thing to eat is sugar. So wine naturally has sugar. So when the wine is bottled and the yeast is put in, the yeast, the yeast eat all the sugar until they die. And then once they die, they kind of create these like bready yeasty notes in a champagne. Mm-hmm. And so when they're there, when they're there longer, 
then you'll get those notes more and more in a champagne. And then also you'll get, you know, nutty notes and things like that because there's aging involved in champagne. So there's more than just the fruit. You've got the yeast and then you've got the yeast for a very long time. And then you might have even further aging once you take the yeast out. So this has been aged, um, you know, this is 2015. Mm -hmm. So this has been the in the bottle for, you know, six years. So you've got some time on that. So you're going to get all of those extra complex notes in, in there. So I love it. It's delicious. Yeah, yeah, it's it's good. You know, this one here, we would call it in the in the champagne world, quite young and excitable still. Um, it's brand new release from them. So it's going to uh, need to find its way a little bit more. So I think next year or the following year, it's really going to drink well. Mm-hmm. The 2014 from them drank really well this year. So I, I expect... Uh, as this bottle, well, not not this one, but other ones yeah. that aren't drunk yet, will get even better in the in the next couple of years. So, what types of like cheese or or like food would you pair with this? So, I actually had this one with um, caviar in a tasting I did in Miami probably a month ago, and that was really good. We had it with. Oh, which one? I think we had it with Osietra caviar. Um, and I think it paid paired really well. Um, I think it's great with this one will be great with a cheese board. Um, you know, I think French fries would be great. Oh, Fried really? chicken would be great with this. Yeah. So yeah. I love that perspective because I never thought to pop a bot open or mm-hmm. say <laughs> pop anymore. Yeah. yeah. Open a bottle of champagne when I'm having hamburgers or French fries. Like I just didn't think yeah. that way. So you've opened my eyes to that. I love that. Absolutely. One of my favorite pairings is champagne with French fried or fried food. So the reason why is because it's really acidic and there's the bubbles. So it really cuts through anything greasy. So it's kind of, it cleanses your palate. Mm-hmm. So when you're having that fried chicken or those French fries, take a sip of your champagne afterwards and it completely just like cleanses your palate and it makes you want more champagne or more French fries. <laughs> um, so it's really, really good with fried food. Like it's excellent with fried food. So I have to share, well, we have to share with you. This is the perfect conversation for June because we are a year into our podcast. Oh my God. So happy, happy anniversary. Congratulations. Right? That is right. awesome. Oh, yeah. that makes me so happy to be a part of something so special. So yeah. Happy anniversary. Thank you. <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh, <laughs> your anniversary. So oh, honey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. Thank you for having me on it's such a special occasion. Yeah, thank you. And um, so we are going to include your website. Amazing. Any other links at the bottom of our show notes. Yep. And um, so anyone, which we have a lot of business professionals or business leaders um, for local businesses around the area, doing events and stuff can reach out to you because I... I've gotten so many comments on the event that we did. Oh, amazing. That they loved it. And so oh, that, that makes me so happy. So. Yeah, absolutely. Like anyone that wants to learn a little bit more about champagne, definitely come my way. I'm happy to do. We, you know, I do small groups, big groups, you know, uh, corporate, whatever, private. Um, but yeah, I just love sharing the world of champagne. And I've got some really fantastic partnerships. I've got some really cool stuff coming up actually next week, which is really crazy. Um, yeah, so I've, I've got like, 
these extraordinary experiences I'm trying to put together, um, well, I've, I've put together next week um, and will continue where I can actually bring a champagne house to you. So I've got cool. Champagne Billicart Simone. We're doing a tour of the U.S. together with my clients and we are bringing them a champagne house directly to them for a tasting. So next week is going to be kind of cool, but I want to continue to do that. So for people that are looking for something really approachable and fun, I've got it for you. If you're looking for gifts, I got it for you. If you're looking for something really spectacular, I'm working on it for you. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, thank you. Thank you for being on. Yeah, thank you so much. And um, until next time, the golden boss up. Hey, it's Rock Riley, and I am so jacked up. I got a new podcast. Once a week, it's The Rock Stops Here. I'm going to be talking with athletes and entertainers, current and former, on making it to the promised land, to the top, and what happens when it's all over, and you don't know what to do, and you got family problems, and money creeps in, and health, and all that jazz. Real talk. No more corporate BS. I can call it like it is. The Rock Stops Here. With me, Rock Riley, can be found anywhere you find your podcasts and radioinfluence.com.